You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. It's fantastic to be with you this morning. Special hi to you if you are in one of our uh, in-person locations. So uh, we've got a whole bunch of our sites joining us by video technology this morning. So hi to you in Central, in Aberdeen North, in Ellen and in Peterhead. It's brilliant to have you with us as well as our online community this morning. And um, what better way to start the new year than just getting straight into the Bible? Uh, We are continuing our series in uh, John's Gospel. We're looking at the seven I am sayings of Jesus. So these are seven moments in John's Gospel where Jesus tells us something about who he is and what he's been sent by his father to do. And this morning we're in John chapter 14. And so if you've got your Bible with you, now would be a really good moment to produce it. This is the Last Supper. And Jesus has wrapped a towel around his waist and he's gone around the room just serving each of his friends by washing their feet. And then they've broken bread together. And then Judas has gone off to meet with the people who will later come and arrest Jesus. And in this moment, Jesus leans towards his friends. And almost in a whisper, I think, he says this, John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Of course, he's saying that because he's just told them that he's about to die. He's about to leave them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, if if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be with me where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's God's word to us today. So in about late November, I think it was, I shared with you the news that we had agreed a purchase of the Credo building, which is a building uh, quite near to Aberdeen city centre, just off George Street, for the Aberdeen North site. And uh, if you'll remember, I asked you all to pray because um, we had a particular mortgage offer that was going to run out on the 13th of December. And so we needed literally everything to be completed by the 13th of December in order that we could save ourselves thousands and thousands of pounds in mortgage interest. And so uh, thank you so much for all praying. I'm absolutely delighted to be able to tell you that we smashed the 13th of December deadline by one day. And we got the keys to the Credo building on the 12th of December, which is such an amazing answer to prayer. 10 years of seeking God and really praying and and longing for a a building for for that site. It's been going about 10 years. So we are so, so thrilled. And of course, like 
even though we've got the keys, it's going to be some time, several months before we're able to get the builders in and, and for them to make the space and do all the things that are required for us to be able to use the building uh, in its full way. Uh, uh, so please continue to pray and there's lots of work still to be done. We're expecting maybe to be moving the north site in there um, in its entirety in the summer, so it'll be a little while until then. But the reason I'm mentioning it at this moment is because there's something that happened. There was a moment in the journey of that transaction that really highlights the crux of my message this morning. Um, the trustees were meeting and we were speaking about the mortgage and what kind of a mortgage we were going to go for. And there were, there were two options, as there always are when you're being offered a mortgage. One is a variable rate and the other one is a fixed rate. And so we were discussing, like, which would be best? The variable rate would be cheaper now unless anything were to happen anywhere in the world at any time during the, the length of the mortgage, in which case the interest rate could go up and we could be in a really difficult position. Now, five years ago, there might have been more of a discussion. But we have lived, haven't we, over the last few years with cataclysmic global event after cataclysmic global event. And so uh, really there was no discussion. It was like, we need to know what we're going to be paying for the next uh, while, uh, you know, we, we, and so we, we did agree in the end we're going to have a fixed rate, which means that we're we'll know exactly what we're paying to the bank every month for the whole duration of the mortgage. But the, the truth is that what it reveals is something about our world right now, which is that we are living in a dramatically uncertain world, where really the only thing that we can be certain of is that we're living with uncertainty global political uncertainty, domestic political uncertainty, environmental uncertainty, economic uncertainty, uncertainty about the cost of fuel and the cost of food and the cost of energy. And as we kind of stand on the brink of the next year, 2023, the truth is we just don't know what we're going to be facing over the next year and beyond. And so the question that I think this scripture addresses is this. How do we live well in an uncertain world? How do we live well in an uncertain world? In my personal devotions, I've been working my way through these, the life story of King David in the Old Testament. And, and he, what struck me about him is that he is living really his whole life as someone who's facing constant uncertainty. You know, so as a, as a young boy, he's a, a shepherd boy, and at any moment, his, he and his flock could be attacked by uh, bears and lions, and he would have to defend his flock and himself from those threats. As a young man, he's anointed as the next king of Israel, uh, but, but he's living with the threat of impending death from the previous king who's still alive and wants to kill him. And then later in life, he's the king of Israel. And therefore, again, he's been constantly threatened and in intimidated by all the surrounding nations and the armies and the kings and the people who want to do him harm. And I've been really reflecting on, like, it's in that context of constant uncertainty 
that David wrote many of the Psalms that we have in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, that they, they were the, the worship songs of his day. And I just love how the gift of worship is so precious because we can bring, we can scoop up all of our anxieties, all of our insecurities, all of our worries and concerns, and we can bring them to God in worship. And that's in a sense what David was doing. And so in about 1000 BC or something like that, David wrote many of the Psalms, including Psalm 25. And Psalm 25 is, is a bit like... Um, a worship song specifically directed towards a life of uncertainty. And this is what he says in Psalm 25. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. And then later in verse 20, he says, guard my life and rescue me. Don't let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. Don't you just love it? What a beautiful way to just deal with the, all of the worries and concerns of the day, to just bring those to the, to the Lord in worship. And here he is bringing to the Lord three of the great uncertainties of life. The first one, of course, is, is uncertainty about direction. He says, show me your ways. It's like, I don't know whether anyone who's joining us this morning or watching later on in Catch Up is facing, as they look out into 2023, just real uncertainty about which way should I go. You know, I, I just don't know wh where I should take my steps. Perhaps it's to do with a job or a relationship or uh, something that's happening somewhere else in your life. It's like, I just need some guidance. And here he is just saying, God, show me your ways. Directional uncertainty. Another great uncertainty of life is, is uncertainty about what's true. And he says, guide me in your truth. Ever since the beginning of time, right at the very beginning of the book, when... Uh, you know, the serpent come to, comes towards the woman. There's, there's, a, there's a, an uncertainty about what's true. He says to her, did God really say what you think he said? And ever since that moment, we've lived with this uncertainty. I just, I'm struggling to figure out what's true about God or what's true about the world or more often, what's true about me. I'm trying to identify what's true and what's a lie. And then thirdly, the great, so we've had these two, the uncertainty about direction, uncertainty about what's true. And then the third one is this uncertainty about health and about life. And he says, guard my life. God, would you guard my life? Maybe that's an uncertainty that some people are facing today as they look out on 2023. I'm not sure what's going to happen with my health this year. Or maybe I'm just wondering what happens after I die. And where is my life headed? And this psalm, you know, addresses all of those things. And then it was compiled in a book with loads and loads of other psalms uh, and compiled 
perhaps in 400 BC or something like that. And for 400 years, God's people, whenever they were facing uncertainty, they could open up the scriptures and open up their hearts and bring their uncertainty directly to God. God, show me your ways. Guide me in your truth. Guard my life. Lord, I need to know your way. I need to know your truth. I need to know your life. And then into their world after 400 years steps Jesus of Nazareth. He gathers his friends together and he says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You've been longing for the way. I'm the way. You've been longing for truth. I'm the truth. You've been longing for life. I'm the way to life. It's, it, I just find it an astonishing thing. In other words, the multiple prayers of countless people over hundreds of years facing an almost infinite number of uncertainties find their fulfillment in the coming of Jesus. Jesus is the answer and we've been longing for him. So how do we live? How do we live well in an uncertain world? Four things. First thing, develop the right posture. I don't know about you, I've always felt a bit sorry for Thomas because almost since the dawn of the church, Thomas has had a nickname. He's been called Doubting Thomas. I don't know whether you've ever thought about it, but imagine having your moments of shame added to your name. You know, it's like, oh, here comes Pornography Pete. Here comes ever so bitter Sarah. You know, like whatever happened to stuffs his face Fred. You know, it's, it's like the, 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 his, the moments of his greatest shame are added to his name and, and he carries those around for the rest of time. Do you know what? The Bible never calls him Doubting Thomas. It just calls him Thomas. And maybe that's some encouragement for some people today. You don't need to add your shame to your name. It's not part of who you are. Anyway, so uh, I've, I've actually grown to deeply love and, and admire and respect Thomas because when everyone else is just pretending that everything's okay and that they understand what's going on and that, you know, they're kind of looking meaningfully into the distance, uh, he's the only one often to say, hang on a minute, I don't understand or I'm not sure what's really going on here. And that's exactly what happens here, isn't it? Jesus is saying some extraordinarily profound and beautiful things in verses one to four about how he's going to go to his father's house uh, where there are many rooms and all these kinds of things and everyone else is kind of just pretending that they understand what on earth he's talking about and then Thomas says in verse five Lord that sounds wonderful but we don't know where that is and we don't know how to get there. This brilliant commitment to radical humility and radical honesty, just a willingness to say, I'm not going to pretend. I'm just going to say, this is where I am. It's the kind of courage that I hugely admire when people who've been around church for years often just suddenly say, do you know what? As I look at my faith, I think I need some help. And they sign up for an alpha course 
yeah, which is often just a brilliant way to just recalibrate one's faith. And, and I, I, I don't know a single person who's ever chosen to do an Alpha course who's regretted it. Actually, we've got an Alpha course coming up. I think it's the 15th of January. And you'd be so welcome. Even if you've been a Christian your whole life, you would be so welcome. It's a great move. But this commitment of Thomas, this posture of radical humility and radical honesty would be a great way to set out on, you know, the journey of 2023. A great way. Just, I'm just not going to pretend. I'm going to be exactly where I am and I'm going to shout if I need help. Okay, that's the first thing. Develop the right posture is how to live with uncertainty. Secondly, choose the right way. Choose the right way. About 12 years ago, I, um, my family and I, we, we booked a campsite in France for our holiday. And so we took all five of our family, plus my two in-laws, and all of our luggage and all of the kind of camping necessities and also some food and drink for the journey. We packed it all into our modest-sized modest estate car and we, uh, we were just going to head off. And my brother-in-law said, hey, why don't you take this? And he handed me a sat-nav. Well, I'd never even seen a sat-nav before. I was very excited. And, and for you young people, like, you have no idea how crazy this was. But, but you know, he's, he said, right, you just take this sucker and you stick it onto the windscreen. And I was like, what? And it just stays there? That's amazing. I just couldn't believe it. It just stays there for the whole journey. It just stays on the windscreen. And then he said, and it, it communicates with satellites in space. And I was like, you are kidding me. I was so excited. And so anyway, this wee lady in the, in the box on the windscreen was amazing. So 700 miles she took us all the way down through England, across the channel, on the, obviously on a ferry, and then carried on driving through France. And it worked really brilliantly well right up until the point when it stopped working and then it wasn't working well at all. And it was just a little squeak, like a wee, and then it was dead. And we think it was probably the sun just beating down on the windscreen. It just toasted, fried this sat-nav. And so my mother-in-law, who was like in the very back of the car, she says, oh, it's OK, we'll just use the map. And me and Taryn looked at each other like, oh, yeah, we'll just use the map, the one that we didn't bring because we brought the sat-nav instead. It was so awkward. And so we were just driving round and round in France for about two hours until we eventually found somewhere to buy a map. And, and it was like we were living in this metaphor for life. You know, we don't know where we are. We don't know where we're going. We don't know how to get there. It was like, goodness, have you ever felt like that in your life? I don't know how I got here. I don't know who, where I am. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just completely lost. And to all of us, whenever we feel like that, Jesus says, not only I know the way, not only I have the way, he says, I am the way. And the reason that that's important is really twofold. The first reason it's important is because he's making a very bold and unique claim about himself. He goes on to reinforce it when he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And it's the same message that we've been hearing all the way through John's gospel. Earlier on in the series, we heard him say, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Earlier still in chapter 3, we find Jesus saying that whoever believes in him 
will not perish but have eternal life. The whole Bible is absolute and unequivocal about this thing. Jesus is the way. He's the only way. He's the only route. He's the only path. He's the only road to spending eternity with God in heaven. If you want to know God, to be with God, to spend eternity with God, if you like the idea of heaven, then Jesus is saying, I am the only way. Now, lots of people have lots of different views and and, uh, lots of different ideas about what heaven is and what it's like and how you get there. Jesus didn't have lots of different ideas. He didn't teach lots of different things. He taught only one thing. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And that has implications. And maybe this morning or whenever you're watching this, you know that Jesus is now stepping into your life. He's breaking into your soul, into your heart, and he's kind of beckoning you towards himself. He's saying, I'm the way. I'm the way. And there would be no better a thing that you could do in response than to surrender your whole life to him, to just give him everything, and to say, Jesus, you're now the Lord, and to be united with him in this life so that you can be united with God in the next And so we're going to make an opportunity at all of our sites uh, later on for anyone who wants to become a Christian today. This maybe is your day and we'd love to celebrate with you in that way. So that's one reason why it's important. He said, I am the way. Another reason why it's so important that he said that is because he's saying something really profound about the guidance of God. All of us in different moments during 2023 we'll find ourselves just wondering Lord which way should I turn here like which 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 decision should I make which which road should I take and maybe I'll be looking for guidance for a job or something to do with my kids or my family or a relationship a situation at the gym whatever it is we'll find ourselves just saying Lord please will you help me and to all of us in those moments we'll hear Jesus's words beckoning us to himself saying You want to know the way? I'm the way. I'm the way. His guidance, in other words, is profoundly relational. It's it's intimate. We get greater clarity in, in closer proximity to him. As we're united with him, we hear his voice. You know, there's actually a, 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 a promise that, that, that is kind of right the way throughout the whole Bible. You know, I was thinking this morning about that moment in the prophet Isaiah, in, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, where Isaiah prophesies, he says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He will rise up to show you compassion. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus is saying, I'm the way. If you want to know the way, you need to pursue me. Greater clarity comes with closer proximity. We need to find the right way. Thirdly, we need to receive the right truth. It's always been pretty difficult to figure out what's true in the world, but it's especially difficult to find out what's true in in a world of post-truth. And uh, that's 
probably the reason why so many people turn to Google to find the answer to their problems. I was looking up what were the greatest questions or the questions that were asked most frequently in 2022 on Google. Here are some of them. Why is Russia invading Ukraine was, it, was the number one question. What is monkeypox? Here's a strange one. Why were chainsaws invented? I've no idea why that was so high up on the list. And, and fourthly, when is the next full moon? By the way, the, whoever's Googling that, those are the people you want to be really afraid of. <laughs> the, the problem is that each person who Googles those kind of questions, they may not get the absolute truth as an answer. They'll get a curated, tailored answer that provides them with a kind of truth that is for them. And it's based on their previous searches and their uh, social media profiles and the kinds of answers that other people who Google questions like that seem to like, rather than an absolute answer. You know, it's actually quite easy. You know when a friend or someone you love starts to believe something untrue on the internet, it's quite easy to spot it in somebody else, isn't it? You know, like, I don't know how many of us have had to explain to an elderly relative, no, that person who says that they're, an, you know, an African prince who's inherited so many billion dollars is actually someone called Barry who's living in a bedsit in Streatham or South End or something like that, you know. But, but it's easy to spot it in someone else, but it's actually really, really hard to spot when I myself have believed a lie, especially when it's a lie about myself. Do you know, as a pastor, all the time, I come across people who believe lies about themselves. It's startling. Some of, the, some of the brightest and most intelligent people I know believe that they're stupid. Some of the people who are genuinely, brilliantly articulate believe, oh, I just fumble over my words and I never get my words straight. Some of the fittest and healthiest people I know are people who believe that they're overweight. People who are just the godliest, loveliest, kindest people you'll ever meet are the kind of people often who believe that there's nothing in them that's worthy of love. And so I've come to realize that it's a universal problem. We all believe lies about ourselves. And to all of us, therefore, Jesus says, you want to get closer to me because I, it's not only that I have the truth or that I know the truth, I am the truth. And as we find ourselves in union with Christ, he begins to replace the lies that we believe about ourselves with truth. And so I begin over time to believe I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I was chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in the sight of God. I'm holy and dearly loved. And so it goes on. Maybe that's what you need today. For the lies that you've believed to be replaced by the truth. And lastly, I think when we're navigating uncertain times, we need to take hold of the right life. And I'll just finish with this. A while ago, I was reading a biography of William Carey, who was, in a way, the kind of founder of the modern uh, missionary movement and, and 
he was someone, just a remarkable guy. He was born in 1761 to a family of weavers, and he was someone who suffered with crushingly low self-esteem his entire life. His, his journals and his diaries and notes are just filled with self-questioning and self-loathing and, and all of that stuff. It's just really shocking to read. And uh, he, he, uh, he, he married a, a beautiful woman. They had seven children together, uh, five boys and two girls. So sadly, two of the girls died during infancy. And, uh, but he, he began to experience a strong, compelling sense of call to go and just follow wherever the Spirit of God would take him and to, and to take the good news of Jesus to people around the world who'd never heard it before. And as he began to kind of pursue that call, he experienced just relentless opposition, not least from his wife, who said, I'm not going. And in fact, she didn't go for a while, which is not necessarily a recipe for a healthy or happy marriage, and I wouldn't recommend it. But anyway, he goes off. She joins him a bit later on, uh, not very long into the journey. Uh, and then shortly after that, uh, one of their sons died, age five. And his wife had a nervous breakdown from which she never recovered. And as a result of that, eventually, she subsequently died. He married again. And his second wife also died. And so his life is a life that's marked with opposition and grief and sorrow and difficulty. And yet at the same time as that, he was just a remarkable guy. He translated the Bible into the whole Bible into six different languages. He also translated big chunks of the Bible into 29 other languages. And he's known best for his brilliant catchphrase, expect great things from God attempt great things for God. The point is, it's amazing what can be achieved when we understand that the life here and now is just a tiny fraction of the life that Jesus offers. That the uncertainty and the difficulty and the trial and the sorrow will end that this is a difficult life, but it's really gone in the blink of an eye. But you can use this life, as short as it is, to make a difference for the rest of eternity, which is when the real life begins. As Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me so that you also will be where I am. I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is pointing towards a life on the other side of death in which there'll be no more sorrow or pain or tears or sickness or death. Life is really, really uncertain now, but it won't always be so. Let's pray together. And so, Lord, as we stand on the precipice of 2023, our decision is to choose you. Our confession is you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And so, Lord, we pray that you would guide us this year. 
We pray, God, that you would speak truth into our inmost being this year. We pray that you would guard our lives this year and help us to live in this life in a way that makes a difference in the next. Amen.